Welcome back. I'm Kim Bailey. She's Fuliana Osborne and this is Inside Exec. We're up to the third part of our discussion with Paul Quattrocalsis and we're going to talk about education for incoming personnel in our organisations as well as his book. The intake, so people who are starting with organisations, do you think they're coming from an education system that encourages them to think in, a, as a, in an entrepreneurial way? It's a great question. I don't know the answer to that because I think probably systems are becoming more different throughout the world. So they would have been, you know, very standardized, not that they are today, but going back 50 years or hundred years, it would have been quite standardized. But what we're finding today and even before the pandemic is that different education systems will be teaching children and young people different things in different ways. And I think in the pandemic, that difference has really accelerated. So there's more hybrid learning today and certain schools will be using certain bits of software that very often adapt to the individual student. And that is where we're gonna, we're gonna see personalized learning, yeah. not tutoring. I mean, there is more tutoring, uh, yeah. but there's also more tutoring in a digital sense. And we're going to find, I think, I mean, it's a great question. And we spend a lot of time with the education industry. Not that there are a lot of companies operating in that, but it's prime for a disruption in the in positive way. Yeah. And it, it's any great problem in today's society, when we look at you know the worlds we live in, uh, in the West, in the U.S., and uh, parts of Europe, you know, you look at things and you think cause and effect. And you look at the effect and you think, my God, things are not not in a good state. They're not the way they should be. Well, where does it start? It starts with with education and the family yes. and education. And so I think we're going to have more personalized education and that software and virtual reality and augmented reality systems are going to have a lot to do with that. It will advance the learning. The thing we have to watch out for is that certain children and young people aren't disadvantaged because they don't have the same access to equipment or broadband or 5G or whatever it might be. And so that's going to be the great challenge for educators is to be able to stimulate more personalized learning that can be done because the classroom's critical and the classroom shouldn't go away in my mind just because of the social element. I mean, the social element impacts the children in a major, major way. I've only kind of realized it for myself with having three young children. You realize their academics are almost dependent on how they feel socially whether mm. they have friends or not, who their friends are. So it's really important. And that that shouldn't go away. If the kids are ever isolated, like they have been in lockdown mm. and online schooling, it's going to deeply affect, yeah. I think, their ability to, to deal with the world, let alone be educated. So it's the hybrid approach of being in class with all the social elements, but also taking advantage <clears throat> of all this new software and programs and apps that are coming out. And then we're going to have, as I said, 5G and we're going to have some amazing applications with holograms and VR and AR. I mean, they exist today. They're a little yeah. bit more in the lab. But now that we'll have that 5G broadband infrastructure and private 5G networks on campuses, both schools and universities, it's just going to be phenomenal. And so, you know, I just hope the educators take advantage of the tools in the right way. It's very exciting, actually. And, it is. I, and, we'll, and we'll see. I think it's going to be one of the new competitive tools of nations is education. And, uh, you know, Korea, China in particular, I think they know this and, uh, and they're investing heavily in it. So China's investing very heavily, not only in quantum computing and AI, 
I'd say even more so than the US and certainly in a centralized way, <clears throat> but also in, in education. There are many, many scientists in uh, Chinese scientists who are getting their, have gotten their PhDs, for example, in US universities, and then they've gone back to China. Mm. And uh, we may see more and more of those scientists staying home in China as the technology improves and the education there improves. They won't need to go uh, unless they want to for gaining perspective, as we talked about before. I think that's something to really take seriously and watch out for from a uh, competitive nation's perspective. I think that's it's going to be very important. Very good insights. Yes. Probably covered all of the things that we were hoping to talk to you about. We haven't asked you about your book. Would you like to tell us about your book? Well, I've been probably talking about a lot of things that are in the book. Yeah, yeah no, the book is, is Go Tech or Go Extinct. And the subtitle is How Acquiring Tech Disruptors you know, allows established companies to survive and thrive. And it's really about ultimately how established companies can continue to grow and to attract the right talent, retain their talent. And the ways to do that, we believe, aren't just doing what you've always done and doing a little bit better and not just optimizing because optimization is what every company has to do. Innovation. Yeah, is a buzzword that's overused because every company has to innovate. What we're talking about and what I'm writing about in the book is going beyond that. And going beyond that isn't that difficult. It's just a decision, as I mentioned. And in the book, it's not a how-to, but I give some guidance on how to do it. But it really is stretching and understanding who we are as a company. What do we do? You know, what do we offer? What value do we offer to our customers? What are we all about? What's our DNA? What's our culture? And how do we bend our culture towards where our customers are going? And our customers' behavior, whether it's consumer retail or whether it's enterprise, uh, large organization, Mm -hmm. the behavior of customers is changing faster and faster and faster Mm -hmm. because the technology that we have available. And again, this pandemic has helped wake some people up to that, but it's it's the human behavior. And in some cases, you know, pets, <laughs> which behavior is changing because of their human owners, but it's <laughs> human behavior that is changing. And we want, we want things hmm. differently. We need things differently. We take for granted how spoiled we get. So once we've had something fast and it works, that's it. I mean, if you, that's if you, <laughs> if you've done things over a mobile phone, yeah, ordered yeah. something, ask for something with a click and it happens like that, you can yeah. no longer bear to wait on the phone for 20 minutes. That's right. And, it helps them. and you apply that law to everything and you can start to connect the dots and see, ah, that means our business in 10 years or 20 years is going to be, you know, or even mm-hmm. five years. Yes. Uh, and I give the, I give a lot of examples in the book. One of them is Mary Barra at GM, who was brilliant. Uh, in 2016, saying, you know, we've done our very best to try to in-house create the best uh, self-driving vehicle technology because we know that mm-hmm. in 10 years' time, most cars will be electric self-driving vehicles. It's going to be mm-hmm. a very different product that we're selling. And unless we're selling, you know, the best, we we risk our legacy. We're not going to be the next Kodak. Mm-hmm. And And I don't know if she said that or not, but I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be surprised. Yes. If she would have told her team, we are not going to be the next Kodak. We yes. can't let that happen. And they went out and therefore they acquired the very best self-driving software company in the world called Cruise Automation. Mm-hmm. They paid over $600 million cash 
for this company, which had zero revenue. You know, I don't know how many, maybe had a hundred employees. Yeah. It was, you know, zero revenue for a big automotive company that's making billions of dollars a year in profit to pay. So it was a bet, but actually became, uh, has become a bit of a reverse takeover. So it's a brilliant move. And so Cruise has grown, it's raised money. GM's diluted its interest from 100%, but still over 50% by raising billions of dollars. Uh, They've licensed their technology to Honda as well as receiving investment from them. Cruise, I think the last valuation was worth $18 billion. And GM is is a great example of how to adapt to a world that is rapidly adapting, even if we don't see it, mm-hmm. we know it's changing and consumer behavior is changing. And, and GM took action like Walmart has done with jet.com. So I give examples in the book and I give uh, examples of how companies can think about it for themselves, yes. how, how important people are and talent and how you can retain that talent and attract the right talent, how you bend the culture like GM did to where the future is going. And I think that's that's really the essence of it is helping companies see. And I tried to write the book in a way that Dan or that anybody could kind of understand, mm-hmm. starting out with basics, not too technical, mm-hmm. just the basics of how everything's changed in the last 5,000 years, 100 years, and then into today and into tomorrow. I wrote it because it occurred to me that it would help with a lot of the conversations that I was having to provide some insight in a a big picture way, not just turn up with a a toolkit. Because most executives are just like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't need this. And we don't need a toolkit. And we're doing just fine. We're doing well. I mean, Mm. we'll just do what we've always done. And I think doing, this is maybe the key point, doing what you've always done is okay. There's nothing wrong with that because that's part of the culture. But the key difference today from 10, 20 years ago is the exponential pace of change. And, uh, you know, Peter Diamandis talks a lot about this and Ray Kurzweil, that humans think in a linear way. We always have, that's our that's how we're wired. Technology, starting with Moore's law and now Wang's law of NVIDIA is exponential. And exponential change is powerful. It's incredibly powerful. And if you look at the stock market charts, we published our research recently, or was Barron's profiled our research about a month, month and a half ago, on the stock markets. You know, we looked at the markets going back 20 years and the next 20 years. And you can clearly see that technology has far, far outperformed every other sector, including the dot-com crash, you know, in 2000, 2001, 2002, including the crash. Why is it growing exponentially now? There are reasons for it. Uh, And it's not just the biggest companies. It's the mid-sized companies, the smaller tech companies, startups. It's taking over the world in every single way. And it's growing exponentially fast. And so the message is to companies is just to realize that, yes, you can keep doing what you've always done, do it well, that's your culture, but you've got to do a little bit more now because it's going so fast. And if you acquire the right tech company in the right way, and that's key, it's both of those things. You can't have one without the other. You've got to find the right company for you. That's the right fit and acquire it in the right way, which is all about people and getting the the terms right with the right incentives, then that company that you acquire can become the catalyst for your next 50 years. Mm -hmm. And look at Walmart with jet.com. That's precisely what they've done. And Mm -hmm. that acquisition was August, 2016. So it's been four years. And four years later, Walmart is a standout performer in the retail industry. And I would argue that if they didn't do that first deal, which brought in incredible talent from jet.com, Mm-hmm. which 
help transform walmart.com's website, which was a bit of a mess back then. And they've gone on to acquire other digital brands. They've acquired Flipkart in India for $16 billion. They, they wouldn't be where they are today. I mean, Walmart may not even be around because if you look at the share price charts in 2016, Walmart was going down and Amazon was you know coming through. Yeah. So Walmart may not have made it. And by the way, guess who didn't acquire Jet.com? Sears. Sears is bankrupt. Uh-huh. You know, there's Kmart, there's JCPenney, there's a lot of other retailers that could have considered buying Jet.com at a 13 times revenue multiple, which was quite expensive in the mind of an, of an unsophisticated uh, retailer. But look at the change. And, you know, there are many examples like this now. We, we, ha- we have a newsletter, we call it Lessons from the Non-Tech Acquiring Tech Deal yeah. of the Month. And there are many, many lessons and more and more companies are doing it. And that's the book is really just about helping slowly because sometimes it needs to sink in, having it sink in a bit and kind of sink so that perspective is gained. And so that as executives go about the world, as they read the news, as they talk to people, they start thinking, oh, yeah, you know, that's maybe we could. Yeah, maybe we could do something like that. That's really what it comes down to. What we will do is put links both to your website and and so that people can sign up for the newsletter and, and for the book as well. Paul, you really have used up our time. (laughs) It has been fascinating to talk to you. Thank you again for taking the time to share your expertise with us. And we look forward to catching up with you in maybe 12 months' time and see what you've done. Great. Look forward to that, Kim. Thank you. Thanks for your Thank you very much, Paul. Really, really enjoyed that. So there we have it, the final part of our discussion with Paul Quattrocasas. Certainly a lot of food for thought, and so we will leave you with that. I'm Kim Bailey. She's Juliana Osborne, and this is Inside Exec.